Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Brett and Cliff's Flea Circus. I'm Cliff. Hello. Oh, I'm Brett. Very boisterous. How are you doing? Yeah. I even had a hand up then. I don't know. You know, it was just it completely oh. involuntary. It Ooh. was. Uh, good. A very long arms, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I've, ext- I've extended them. So <laughs> Is that why you've been in the doctors? Yeah, that is. Uh-huh. I mean, everyone wants longer arms, don't they? Of course. Have you also had yeah side sideboard sideburns extended? Yes, have you seen them? Oh. They're quite extensive, aren't they? Nice. That you look like Alvin yeah. Stardust. I, I wish I had the the balls. I did when I was a youngin, much like yourself, to to just have them like right down my face. You know. I know, but I love them. The older I've got, the higher mine have got. I you know. I'm I've never gone uh, with your sideboards. I've never gone, you know, those people who just get their hair straight above the yeah. No, but those people are inbred, Griff. <laughs> well, that was what, what, what goes through what the... What possesses uh, people to what, do that? What barbers do with that? I don't understand. Well, <laughs> would you... Uh, you know, what it was, uh, that happened to me by accident at a, a hairdresser's in South Shields. He says, well... Do you want us to just make a sideboard short then? I went, yeah, yeah, no bother. And he did <laughs> that, which obviously turned us into an inbred. But there oh, you dear. go. But also the hair above it is normally like longer than it should be as well. So yeah. it just stops. All of a sudden the hair is, is deceased. I, I think I think it was that Zed's. Can I remember Zed's? Zed's? I remember Zed's, yeah. Terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone went there though, didn't they? Mm-hmm, did. It was, it was better than Bernie's, who well, had a, Bernie's, a fearsome though. reputation. He did, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that was always an insult, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah man, <laughs> you get your hair cut at Bernie's. <laughs> Everyone used to say that. Uh, <laughs> what, you mean for your hair cut Bernie's? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the rumours about Bernie that he'd, he'd, he'd hold your ear back and be rough with you. Yeah, and just like get the get the hair and it just basically willy nilly takes the off. It was. It was. If you got your hair cut of Bernie, no, I haven't thought of that in about <laughs> twenty years. I don't even know where it was. Was it on Stanhope Road? No, it was on Bold Lane, wasn't it? Next to Secondhand Rose. On Stanhope Road, I mean, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Stanhope Road. Yeah. Huh? I thought yeah. it was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the one under the railway? 
arches to the railway bridge next to the top club. I used to go there. Oh, I'm not sure, but I, I didn't venture. Underground haircuts, is it? <laughs> Verns. Verns, yeah. You had to go like, underground. Not, it's, not it's quite Specialised haircuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Vernie. Used, used to get Vern got Verns uh, offcuts. <laughs> <laughs> the offcuts, is that what you call them as well? Is it? Um, <laughs> the people who had gone to Bernie's and realised what you'd can you uh, sort this out, Vern? Uh, oh, yeah. Can Vern. I guess? Have you just come from Bernie's? <laughs> Vern had a perm. <laughs> <laughs> Vern with the perm. <laughs> what you have there, son? Perm, is it? No. Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh well, man. Hey, I had a perm at uh, fourteen, maybe thirteen. Was it a good choice? It was an excellent choice. I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't actually uh, require the attention from, from lasses at that point because I was too busy playing Championship Manager. But it happened at the same time as the perm because people oh, thought, like, yeah. Ryan Giggs. I remember. Because he was big at the time. You were a fleet-footed winger as well, weren't you? <laughs> yes. Well, I was left-back, but there you go. Back, but you, know, you wouldn't stick that out. Your duties. I wouldn't stick me duties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke, no Luke's going to join us. Um, our good friend Luke Williamson. I'll, I'll let him in, and then we'll we'll get talking about. Anyway, I've got some big news, uh, but uh, uh -huh. Luke can hear it as well. Oh well, that's good. Here he comes. I realised we just stopped talking there, but looks we did it? because we can't continue. <laughs> can we? when somebody's coming on, we can't just continue talking. Drew, Luke, hello, mate. How are we? How are we? Are we all right? We're good. Nice to see you. And you, nice to see you, mate. It's nice been to a while. see you. How has the last few months treated you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. It's just just messing around trying to get this al uh, the third album finished. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, life's good. Notts uh, County in the playoff final this weekend. So yeah, yes, about time, good. wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's a, it'd be a weird season. Obviously, getting as many points as what Notts have got this season and not gone straight up. Uh, but oh. I went. I went to the semi-final at the weekend. Oh, did you? Okay. Best get best game I've ever been to. I know yeah. people. Are, you can be like you can over dramatize things sometimes. It was amazing. Like yeah. 90, 97th minute equaliser and then one hundred twentieth minute winner in extra time. In um, yeah, extra time. It just yeah, it's it was, it was a weird yeah. one, but yeah. I mean, I'm you've been you... promoted already, though, shouldn't you? I know it's ridiculous. That's the thing. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's only right that you're in the final, and I, I hope that not end up going up. Because uh, I mean, the amount of points you got anyway, and the fact that not managed to go toe to toe with the billionaires of Wrexham all the way is, is an achievement that sh should be rewarded with promotion. I think, but the playoff system in this league is absolutely stupid. One of my mates uh, is a walking fan, and he was saying he sent us a thing called "Oh, we're in the eliminator." I was like. Yeah. What, what football thing <laughs> is, is that called gladiators? I don't know. It's managed to work it out so that almost half the division still has a chance towards <laughs> it going into like the last weekend. It's 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 ridiculous, and I, I get why they do it to sort of keep people involved and for the neutral. I guess it's good, but yeah, it's it's daylight robbery. We we could have ended up missing out on Wembley to a team that we finished 37 points ahead of. Exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. It's not <laughs> normal, is it? Uh, I would also Fingers say, look, yeah, go not, on. not that many neutrals watching this league, so don't think they need to worry no. about that that much. <laughs> 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 More than Maybe before. But, uh, Maybe, yeah. um, well, Sunderland obviously went 
got into the playoffs in dramatic fashion as well. So we're we've uh, we're in the playoff semi-final on Saturday against Luton. Uh, mm-hmm. I went out to watch that. Brett, we were chatting a little bit, but I was with my my mate, my boss. He's a Blackburn fan, so we mm-hmm. were watching both games at the same time. And you watched it with the Blackburn fan. Yeah. Uh, so he needed Blackburn to win, obviously, and we yeah. needed Sutherland Blackburn to, lose. to win. But he wanted yeah. Sunderland to lose, so it was a <laughs> it was quite a roller coaster throughout that game because Blackburn were awful for the first half and were three one down. And that would just meant Sunderland were out of it. But I mean, Sunderland were great. And then that Blackburn comeback was absolutely unbelievable. I, I, obviously, when Sunderland, when Sunderland were 3 0 up, I just stopped watching that game. And I was just watching the Blackburn game because that was all that hey, mattered. Hey, Jonathan, Jonathan Wilson, who's is that fa- uh, the journalist, the uh, Sunderland fan, he said, he said he feels like Sunderland have accidentally got into the playoffs somehow. Like at one point, it was not even possible. And they, yeah, they've accidentally got there, and now all of a sudden you might fancy chances. I guess. I, I think yeah, so, I, but... I would say so. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, you might remember this Cliff Will when we got in in I think nineteen ninety, and we finished in the same position. Newcastle finished third when they yeah. played them, and we beat Newcastle and got to the final, mm-hmm. and we actually got beat off Swindon in the <laughs> final. But yeah. we still got promoted, Luke. Why did why did you get <laughs> John Gordon? Because well, of John the, the reason was because uh, Swindon were were done for financial irregularities. Ozzy Ardiles was the manager, and they weren't allowed to be promoted, and we were promoted in their place. And obviously Newcastle, they were kicking right off because they finished. And that, and that was nineteen. That was nineteen ninety, was it? I think I'm sure it was nineteen ninety or ninety one. So that sure would have been the year that Knotts won the uh, Division Three playoffs. So, I, and mm-hmm. I was probably at the age I was just so focused on Knotts and nothing else. But <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that. I was about to ask whether it was Glenn Oddle, but Glenn Oddle was a couple of years later. Yeah, Sunday, I, yeah I he was later. Was, to be honest, I, I know it, but I don't. I didn't really watch. I wasn't that invested in Sunderland or football at all when I was like nine or whatever. So, I I, I know that story, but I, I always assumed it was Hoddle and Gorman in charge. But I didn't realize it was no. Aussie. It was Aussie. It was what good a, old what Aussie. A romantic, what a romantic way to get um, promoted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody coming home from Wembley, devastated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. In the cup from Tottingham. It's all yes. his fault. <laughs> um, so anyway, I said I had some big news. You may see that I'm drinking some big, I don't water? know you can tell. It's fizzy water, Brett. I've just invested yeah. in a soda stream. <laughs> I'm very, oh, very yeah. pleased with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like fizzy and water. And that's to be honest, all you can think of making fizzy water. It's got no well, like it's got gin inside. Roll it, a cola or an out like that. But it's the first just goal, fizzy water. It only arrived an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, probably poisoning yourself, Cliff. Starting small. <laughs> anyway, the reason I've got it <laughs> is because my daughter has soda water every day that's her treat and we go through six mm-hmm. cans a day between her and the wife so <laughs> i decided to invest in my own machine anyway i'm quite pleased with it but <laughs> hey you can, you can uh, fill up your whiskey in that can't you like some texan what Do you know what i mean Is it up? soda water and whiskey that's what people do oh, out of the it? machine out of the thing with the good on though 
Yeah. Because that's in, you don't need the soda stream if you've got that thing, because that does it from the gun. Well, I, I doubt very much that you've got a, a bar and you're flat. Have <laughs> <laughs> you? Well, I could have. You don't Some know you've never, been, you've never been around. Yeah, I've never, I've, you know, I haven't been invited, so. <laughs> you can come tonight if you want. I'll get the fizzy whiskey on. Right. Um, <laughs> Not if it's just fucking soda water on. All right. No come chance. on. Let's talk about soda. Stop poo pooing me soda three hours. Happy about that <laughs> until you've got your own. <laughs> um, so, Luke, <laughs> we're going to leave it to you to tell us what we're talking about this week because it's not your choice. Uh, or we didn't choose it like because of your suggestion right now, but you have mentioned it in the past and that's what made us think of doing it. So, tell us about it. What is it? Yeah, there's been a few times in the past where I've, I've nearly dropped you like a message and said, "Are you going to do it?" Or like, sh- should should we like even think about it? It's the um, the famous Ruttles film, um, mm. which for for my money, when you when you messaged me, there was a there was a brief moment where I got really excited. So I thought, "Oh yeah, that means I've got to watch it before the weekend." And obviously, you can watch it any time. But when you've then all of a sudden told that you've got to watch it, so I was like, "Yeah, I can watch the Ruttles." And I've just to be like warn you. Other than the hard day's night, this is probably the film I've watched more than any other film. Okay. So this is my, this has always been my go-to film. Now, when you've got you're doing something and you want something on in the background, yeah, the Ruttles yeah. go on. When you want well, to sit down and actually have a chill out, the Ruttles goes on. Um, I listen to the music a lot. Um, I would, I'm not saying they're like on my playlists as much as the Beatles and the Kinks, but they're probably they're probably close to them. They're probably in third place. Um, I love it. Neil Innes is writing. I love everything about the film. So yeah, it was brilliant. I just thought, yeah, I get to watch the the Ruttles. So I watched it twice over the weekend, just just oh. to make sure. <laughs> just to make sure. And then, and then well, I got stuck in like a rabbit hole. You no, know, like when you're on YouTube and you end up watching. Yeah. I have got the DVD, but I've not got a DVD player set up at the minute. So I watched it on YouTube, and then all of a sudden you're watching linked videos and random mm. stuff. So um, yeah. it was yeah, it was a, it was a good couple of evenings just watching random <laughs> Ruttles material. Well, nice. Brett, neither Brett and I had ever seen it before, so this was the first time no. we watched it. Yeah, but I you think knew, I knew of it, I, didn't you? Yeah, when I, I think I tried to watch it when I was twelve. I think it, there was some kind of Ruttles or Beatles weekend or something like that on BBC Two, and that that was the Ruttles was part of that. And I think I I, I tried to try to watch it then, but I haven't seen it since. Yeah. So this is the first time, sort of since then. I'm a massive Monty Python fan. I love Monty Python. I think it's amazing. Um, and obviously, we we'll, we'll both love the Beatles and stuff like that as well. So you it's think overdue it watching a... it. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely overdue, isn't you it? you got the synopsis, Brett, because we know what we know what it's called, but do you do that? Well, it's, it's a very simple synopsis. <laughs> it's a very simple one. So the rules, all you need is cash. Mm. <laughs> it's a 1978 mockumentary that follows the career of the Ruttles, a parody of the Beatles. And that is quite simply it. It is, isn't it? It is. Did you enjoy it, Brett? I enjoyed watching it because, right, like Luke said, I probably should have seen it years earlier, being a massive Beatles fan, being a massive Monty Python fan. I don't know why I haven't watched it before. Mm -hmm. Right? So... I enjoyed watching it. Now, I I was expecting some sort of rompous Monty Python craziness sort of thing, but it's not Monty Python, you know? It's not that, is it? It's quite yeah. different. It's, it's, I'd, I'd say it's different from Python, but it's got like, there's there's nods in there, isn't there? Like, yeah. 
you can I mean, you can see that you can see like in the script and the way that the dialogue you can see the python parts eking their way into it without yeah. all of a sudden watching it and thinking it's just python yep yeah 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 i mean it's not outright silly like python is is it i mean no, there, there's will, silly it's... parts there's silly parts like you know the, the John Lennon character sitting in the shower instead of the bed and stuff like that, which I thought was funny. With I mm -hmm. thought it was it was excellent, but like I don't know. I, I think Idols consciously sort of made a decision that it's separate from Python, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, we should it's say not that Python; it's, it's something different. It's written by Eric Idle of Monty Python mm -hmm. and of South Shields fame, of course. Yes. He was born in South Shields, wasn't he? Um, so that's where the Python link is. Also, George Harrison, who financed Python films, is in it as well, which is a lovely little touch. And there's a lot yeah. of crossover. Michael Palin's in it. And there's, there is the same kind of similar sense of humour. I would say it's very much like some of the Eric Idle characters that are in Monty Python, but not... You know, That obviously seems like a simple thing to say, but I think Eric Idle's characters and stuff in Monty Python are always of a similar kind of type and this falls into that I think I, I really really enjoyed it but I don't think I totally get it um, I, I, I think it's really enjoyable I think the music's amazing but it's but for me it's almost like it's too similar to the Beatles like it's it's just a yeah. like one tiny like notch over to the side which if you maybe it's something to do with when it came out as well we, obviously, we've got a lot of revisionism about the Beatles now, and we can pour over every little detail of everything like we talked about with Get Back and stuff. So maybe at the time, it wasn't so like ingrained in people's memories that they would remember bits of it and think, oh, that's quite funny because it's a bit like that. But I'm watching it thinking, well, that's almost like the Beatles were funny. It's a bit like... There was a it's weird... on the nose. It is like, it? And that's why I think it's good, and I genuinely think the music's amazing. But also, the, mm -hmm. it's 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 almost exactly the same as the Beatles' music. So I don't really know. <laughs> Look, you when, it, um, tell us. So, so yeah, Innis Innis obviously, whilst Eric Eric Idle wrote the film, uh, Innis was responsible for all the music. Mm -hmm. It was originally just a sketch for a um, one of the like Saturday night uh, TV shows. Um, and they did like Rutland this... Weekend Television, That's I think. Well, yeah, Rutland Weekend called. Television, and they did, yeah. they did they did a sketch, and then I think they went to um, Innes after the show. He wrote this once. He wrote one song, and they went to him after the show, and they were like, "Could you do us a few more? Could you do enough for a film?" And he intentionally, after that, he said he intentionally didn't listen to the Beatles, although he okay. knew he had to make it. He said if he listened to the Beatles, every song would be just a total lift. Mm -hmm. So he walked, came away from it. And he wrote songs in the ilk of the Beatles, in the in the style of the Beatles, without listening to any Beatles. That's okay. that's what he said. I think he, I think he had to said that say that for legal reasons because there was some <laughs> there was some legal um, legal issues that came up in the okay. aftermath. Okay. Um, on the vi when they released the vinyl version of the album, um, John Lennon said to them at one point. See, Lennon and Harrison and the Beatles themselves, they weren't bothered about it. They were quite happy. But the people that owned the Beatles, uh, the Beatles publishing at the time, they they became a bit funny about it. And with um, like the track Get, Get Up and Go, Lennon was like, "That's too close. You, you're not going to get away with that. They're going to do you." <laughs> yeah. so, so they purposely left that off the vinyl, for example. Okay, um, okay. It went on the re-releases in in the, the years that followed, but originally they said, "Oh, you shouldn't do that." Um, yeah. But Harrison was a massive fan of it. Um, 
Len, they don't say much about Lennon, but I think Lennon was okay with it all, although he wasn't too keen on the way they portrayed the um, Nasty's uh, wife in it. Because she was um, instead of a Nazi, yeah, she was a Nazi. Basically, yeah, um, so he wasn't he wasn't too keen on that. Um, I think mm -hmm. McCartney thought um, it was all a bit ha overly hammed up, a bit yeah. too much in places. Um, but again, there wasn't much. He's never really said too much on it. I think they all respected the music and they were friends with they were friends or, or casual acquaintances of Innis because um, they Innis was recording at, um, Abbey Road around the time that the Beatles were recording there in the late sixties and things like that. So um, yeah. they were aware they were aware of Innis and so, um, Harrison was massive. Tell, tell us more about Neil Innis then, because I genuinely don't know that much about him. So Innis was uh, the, the first band I ever became familiar with. Innis being in was, was the Bonzos, um, yeah. and you could argue they were a bit not not parody, but they were a bit more of a novelty sort of act. Um, yeah. The cracking track called "Urban Spaceman" from the sixties, which yep, was actually produced produced by McCartney. Um, so, like I say, there there was all those little links. They were they were intertwined with Abbey Road and and all that sort of thing. Um, but Innis was also then they sometimes refer to Innis as like the the sixth python or something like that. Or yeah, yeah, the, the was seventh it, python. Yeah, yeah. He never played. He never had a massive role, did he? But he was like mm. he was he was he was involved. Um, and when 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 this came up with the the writing, like I said, they just went to Innis. Innis was a songwriter first and foremost. Um, mm. and stuff they came up with, like I say, some of those songs, I th I thought they were absolutely brilliant. I, I've, been are, yeah. I've been fortunate enough to see Innis live six or seven times. So oh, me wow, and the okay. lads, in the, me and the lads in the band used to see him. He passed away. Uh, what would it have been? About eighteen months ago, two years ago now. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was one. No, when you talk about like celebrity deaths and that, that was one that actually got to me a little bit because I was like, "We're not going to get to see him again." We used to, we used to love going. Whenever okay. he played in Nottingham or Leicester, we'd go, we'd go and see him. So what's the, uh, yeah. what was these gigs like? Was like straight or are they, were they funny or? It was, it was a It was basically the Ruttle, a Ruttle set. It was hilarious. So it was a little bit, a little bit of not acting the part, I guess. But he was, um, he he talk a lot between songs. Um, okay. The guy that played uh, Barry Wom. John Halsey, he was he was still drumming all these years later with him. So he was still he was still the drummer. Um, and I'd I'd, argue, I'd I'd argue that do you know when you think of it like going to say you go to a Paul McCartney gig now, in a in, in a Paul McCartney gig, you'd get a lot of Beatles fans, but you'd also get a lot of day trippers that are just there because oh it's Paul McCartney, I should go and see Paul McCartney. When you go to a Ruttles gig, I'd say it's the most hardcore group of Beatles fans you've ever been around okay. in your life. Like everyone <laughs> yeah. there loves the Beatles to such a degree. Like they look, they love the stuff that not everybody plays on a regular basis or like the B sides and stuff like that, because the Ruttles were just sort of an extension of the Beatles in, in, in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. the, the gigs were brilliant. They were, they were as, as good as any gigs I've ever been to. Um, but it, it is weird because he'd have, he'd have like, he'd have maybe a young uh, guitarist who were like maybe I don't know originally Ruttles fans and then they've grown up and they're now of the age where they could they could go and gig <laughs> with Innis, uh, but it was it was still Innis and, and John Halsey um, and playing. But Innis oh, has yeah. got a great great back catalogue of of other stuff you can find as well. Um, okay, not not just Ruttles, his own stuff um, and stuff from the Bonzo's days and stuff like that. Um, but he was such a he was such a warm character. We'd sometimes go to these gigs and there'd only be like thirty people in the audience. Oh, and okay, well. Like, that really special to be there um yeah. and he'd come he'd come off he'd do two maybe two sets so he'd do a set then he'd come off go to the bar just mingle with the 30 people that were there having oh, a bit, 
and then he'd go back on and do a second set and uh they, they were just they were just great gigs and like i say the day the day passed it was it was a weird one because we as a band our band we, we'd have them as a massive a massive influence and one guy when we first released our first album somebody criticized us wrote a really scathing review about how we were basically like a beatles tribute band and then compared us to the ruttles and he, he was saying that in a negative and we were like yeah. that is his compliment like someone's compared us to neil innes in our songwriting i was like that's not bad i'll, I'll take that he's not a parody songwriter like, i know there, yeah. people might think of them as parody songs but they stand alone as well they're they're, no, they're great they stand away it's only because you you know one of them sounds a little bit like and i love her or whatever it might be that you think that but they're obviously really good songs. I think one of the interesting things, if he, if he didn't really listen to the Beatles, which I mean, who knows? But if he didn't, it's. I think that's an amazing test and testament to how the Beatles are just ingrained in you. That even if you're not trying to write a song that's exactly like it, you know, or he knew enough of them because it was they're so like omnipresent in you as a musician or as a songwriter that you still end up writing what is almost an exact like kind of perfect yeah. replica of a Beatles song. So he's obviously a talented in the, writer. In the nineties, cheese, cheese and onions actually found its way onto some random bootleg. Well, it found its way onto a Beatles bootleg and it was credited as a Lennon song. Ah. And years, it's that when, close. When the, when the yeah. film came out, somebody, somebody, somebody actually accused Innes of ripping off an unknown Beatles song. And ah. it was like, and they played, yeah. they played, they played in this, this demo tape, supposedly of Lennon, and like he laughs and he's like, "No, that's 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 me." That's me. <laughs> demo. He's very close, vocally. To, I to think Lennon, that's my favourite one because I think it's also, it could be, a, a Sid Barrett song from 1967, or it could be a Bonzo song from 1968, or something like that. I think that's why I really like that one because the songs and music that was coming out, and and the same with the the Walrus one as well. Um, I, is that the Walrus one? I'm getting confused. That's pig, them. Piggy in the middle. Yeah, that's Piggy yeah, in the middle. Yeah. in the middle. I think those ones. I like them because there were other bands out at the time that were all kind of doing something a little bit like that, and the Beatles were doing that to some extent with the Pretty Things or whatever it might be. So I, I think like the, the those ones are kind of like can, in my opinion, stand on their own a little bit more because. They're just part of this bigger psychedelia thing, even though he wrote them 10 years later. He's like, they're just perfect versions of that. Um, whereas the earlier stuff, like pastiche or, or trying to replicate yeah. the 63, 64, 65 stuff, like ouch and stuff is obviously more out and out, like comedy uh, yeah. and comparable. Brett, what do you think about the songs then? Uh, I thought they were great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the songs throughout. I mean, what I was going to say... Uh, when when Luke was talking, there was somebody else who obviously thinks the same thing about Innes is, is Noel Gallagher, and the reason for that is strangely enough, quite ironically enough, Innes was obviously sued by Northern Songs or whoever owned the Beatles by a sort of backlog of, of songs at the time, but uh, Innes sued Oasis for the first line of whatever as well. Because yeah. it's exactly the same as, as one of his songs. Okay. How, sweet, it, how sweet to be an idiot. That's right, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I mean, obviously Noel Gallagher's watched the roles and stuff like that. And he's almost thought, well, you know, 
they've taken this slightly from the Beatles, or massively from the Beatles, to be honest. I'll do exactly the same thing. But ironically, they've both been sued for doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just borrowing things, isn't it? That's what music It is borrowing. It is. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not stealing, is it? No. Because I'll listen to that song on, on YouTube, much like yourself, Luke. I went through a little bit of a rabbit hole. I watched a sort of, uh, I think it was in America where they were all being interviewed by these uh, by these massive fans and stuff like that. It was like a Q&A session where people watched the film and then they asked sort of Eric Idle and then what the, they asked Dennis loads of questions and stuff like that. And it was really interesting. I think it, uh, Idle was a bit scared about McCartney, who he obviously parodies in the film. I think he said that he, he met him in some restaurant or something like that. And McCartney sort of, Given the cold shoulder a little bit, he didn't didn't particularly like it, which is you know fair enough. Is there not a famous Beatles reunion story about Python? Did they not go and did McCartney and Harrison not see each other for the first time in five years at the Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl or something like that at the Python at the Hollywood Bowl or something like that? I'm sure there's something like that. Uh, in the mid seventies, Harrison was like, "Come and see Python with us," and I, I would have thought he would have met them then as well. Like, but maybe that's before the rules. Maybe that's where he got mm. this stuff from. I think I think McCartney felt that uh, some of it was maybe. I think he felt Idol's impressions of him were like just taking the piss a little bit too much at times from what from the stuff I've read before. Um, mm. Not in a way that he like didn't get over it or anything like that but a, a little bit like how he just sort of passed it off and he was like he wasn't bothered whereas harrison actually wants he was sat down with um idol and innis at one point and, and this this was i think i've heard innis say this and he turned around at one point he says hey guys you know we were the beatles it, it like <laughs> yeah he realized they were taking a piss that much and then he like almost put his arms in the air as if to say oh you know we're fair, we're fair game sort of thing <laughs> harrison wasn't bothered at all harrison was happy with it well, well, harrison's, harrison's in with the comedy isn't he he's he's he almost loves just pointing fun at himself harrison doesn't he Do you know well, what i mean i mean we've talked about it a lot he's a bit of a like yin and yang character isn't he i'm sure sometimes he loves it and other times he could be grumpy about it but uh he yeah, well, he's, in, he's in with the he's in with the python lot isn't he you know like well, brian yeah. and all that i mean he's made those films with them. i think and for he, me, he the, was the biggest python fan out the out the yeah. lot wasn't he Harrison. yeah well he bankrolled the films didn't he but i think with yeah. uh i think for me the mccartney is like the weakest of the it's more about nasty, isn't it? And an innocent yeah. version of Lennon than it is about the McCartney uh, character. And I think Eric Idle's version, it, it's just kind of, it is a bit daft. I don't think it's kind of nasty. It's the daftest one of, yeah, it's the daftest it's, one it's of the roles, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and, I, and I think like, I know it didn't make me think, oh, he's, he's really having a go at McCartney or he's, he's, you know, he's no. really hamming up that thing that McCartney does. I think it's like the most basic, kind of lift off take off impression of McCartney you can do. I don't think there's any yeah. malice in it at all. And he gets up no, quite I, lightly, McCartney, I think. I don't think he gets lampooned or anything. Like but I don't know. Maybe McCartney's a bit tetchy about it maybe. Um <laughs> I think uh for me the best bits are the reporter. Uh the the funniest bits are the reporter's links. Uh because I think like the mute the the videos and the music videos and the songs are like are just great, great songs and 
very, you know, enough for big Beatles fans to go, oh, yeah, that's a bit like that. Oh, I can see what they've done there. And I think, obviously, the the links from Eric Idle's reporter character and the people he's interviewing and when Harrison comes on and does an interview, I think all of that stuff is the stuff that's genuinely really funny. They're um, brilliant, yeah. Those pieces to camera are brilliant. Like there's the script, jokes as well. <laughs> the script and I started writing them down when I was watching. It, I started writing some of like like my favorite lines down to like mention, and then it got I got like ten minutes in, and all I just had like loads of. Like, there's no point. There's no point writing all this down. The, although my favorite one was where he says uh, their first album was made in twenty minutes. The second yeah. one took even longer. That, I think that was, that, that was one of my favorite ones, and then straight away that's where you know like where you're at in terms of um, the, yeah. the film. Sort of the, the type of humor yeah uh, but and, uh, yeah idols idols writing on that that sort of stuff was was fantastic uh, mm. and you can there is that lineage with python on those bits i think um you can tell that the way that looks and feels is quite like some aspects of, of python and i think i mean for me it's it's the names like leggy Mountbatten and stuff <laughs> like that you know and he, he, he's seen hopping along liverpool and things like yeah. that that's very python-esque it's just silly and but also, it's just just funny. Do you know what I mean? That's the, I like, that's the bit that I found more more closer to Python than yeah. Than I think anything I, else, again, I think. like those lines when he he says there were legends in their own lunchtime. Like that is a phrase <laughs> that people say, right? But I and yeah. maybe this was the first time it's been heard. But also, actually, ref, I guess refers to the fact that they used to play lunchtime slots in the cavern. So it's yeah. like an actual real thing. But yeah, like uh-huh. a really funny turn of phrase that people will say about about people, you know. Like I just that I think is super clever. And once I realised that was where we were going with those links and that reporter character, I, I got into that like, a lot. I really like that. It really well, reminds well, of, of, of course they're, they're, they're bigger than Rod as well, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> that was Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Rod wouldn't be big for another eight years. <laughs> that's, that's really silly as well. But a lot of that humor reminded us of my dad. And I don't know if my dad used to watch Monty Python. I don't know if my dad ever watched this or, or, or knew this film. I'm, he'll tell us, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. I, just, I just had a little smile on my face all the time because there were proper like things that your dad would say, those kind of jokes and little... Yeah, it's dad jokes. I did even laugh to himself at one point when he makes a joke and then he like sort of goes a bit deadpan where he realises it's the sort of thing that most people won't find funny, but that very small part <laughs> of the audience would find it hilarious. <laughs> There's loads of cameos. We're running out of time for this bit, so we'll take a little break, get a drink and stuff, but we'll come back in a few minutes and talk about some of those cameos, maybe, 
um, yeah. because there's some great people appearing it throughout. It's uh, when you look at the cameo, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Some of the people are on there, and you, it makes you wonder. I, I first first thing I start doing is like, I'm, first time I saw some of these faces, I was trying to work out where they were in their career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. Went, it's like, how well known were they? Because some yeah. of they get some big names on there, don't they? There's, yeah, there's some big well, it, it's the connection between Saturday Night Live, which obviously we don't know anything about because we're English. We haven't got a clue. And I've never and found a second of it funny. <laughs> but but all all the the people who make cameos, you know, Bill Murray, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, they were all in Saturday Night Live. Well, Lord Michael as well. Like, but let's take a little break. We'll come back and talk about all of them. So we were talking about the rules. All you need is cash, and we were just talking briefly about all of the other people that are in it. So main stars: Eric Idle, Neil Innes. Um, Ricky Fatar, we haven't talked about him. Doesn't really do much, does he? In the film, he plays the George Harrison role. Doesn't say anything. Not allowed. I do. I do <laughs> like, those, quiet I one, do like those bits where they speak on his behalf. <laughs> he, he just looks like he's about to say something, and then the other characters will answer for him. I do. I do like those bits. Yeah. He, he played. He played with the Beach Boys, didn't he? I think. I've got nothing else on that. All right. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I saw the Beach Boy. No, I saw Brian Wilson here a few years ago, and uh, who was with him? Al Jardine was playing, and uh, Al Jardine's son. I don't know if you've seen Brian Wilson ever, Luke, or seen him. Oh, no. uh bit of a sad experience, to be honest. Like an amazing experience hearing the songs and seeing Brian Wilson, but genuinely a bit, a bit sad. This was probably about five years ago. And, very uh, fragile. Yeah, very fragile. And there was like a meet and greet beforehand. And uh, my mate, the Blackburn fan, uh, it, it was being held at a, a tennis stadium where we have some of the bigger gigs out here, which is attached to, it's a duty-free tennis stadium. It's attached to an Irish pub that we know the guy who runs it very well. So normally when there's gigs on, we can meet the guys and they have and tennis and sometimes a master's football and all of that. So he said, like, look, only a couple of people can see Brian Wilson. My my mate, Martin, isn't a huge Brian Wilson or Beach Boys fan, but he was like, obviously, I want to meet this guy. He's a legend. But sadly, that means you can't. And I was like, right, okay, no worries. And he came out and he was like, yeah, I kind of want to cry. It's like really, it was just really sad. Like, he just yeah. sits there. And then his publicist or whoever is like, okay, you next. And he said, he turned around. And just said, like, how many more people, <laughs> like, really glum? And said he felt really, like, just a bit dirty. Right? Probably, better, yeah. probably better from your point of view not to have that experience. I don't think it. I would have wanted it as much as... Uh, it's always awkward anyway, meeting these people, right? Like, it, it, or, yeah. often, more often than not, it's awkward. Meeting you... greets are disgraceful, aren't they? Uh, like, aren't it's they? like Forced met, meetings, that's what I it met, is, isn't um, it? Uh, the Brian Wilson gig, Al Jardine's son... Who's a big lad, Al Jardine's a tiny man. Uh, he sings pretty much all of the Brian Wilson parts. He just stands at the back of the stage and sings. Brian Wilson kind of sings a few words here and there and like kind of like pretends to play the keyboard the piano a little bit, a keyboard. That's so there's another sad, there's it? another keyboardist and there's another singer. So he is like playing his part, but it's like 
if he wasn't there, yeah. the whole thing would still be going on without him. And it still sound exactly the same. It sound exactly yeah. the same. Um, but you know, I I heard pet sounds in full, so yeah. he was complaining about that. But what I would, I'm, what I'm I was going to ne- say, I could never get into the Beach Boys ever. You want know what, what? I mean, you're just wrong I've about that. Pet but... sounds and stuff. No, <laughs> I just kind of get into them, man. Pet sounds. Uh, pet sounds is one of those. When I first listened to it, if I'm going years back. I knew I, I knew that I was meant to love it, and I yeah. didn't. I didn't. Uh-huh. When I when I revisited it years later, I got it, and I don't know if I just needed that sort of time to um, yeah. change change myself as somebody that listened to music, but also started writing music. And I listened to it at a later point. I was like, oh yeah, I can. I can I, I get it now. It's um I think I've always like I think I've always felt the same about uh Forever Changes by Love as well. First time I heard that and everybody this is the greatest album. Forget Pet Sounds and forget Sergeant Pepper, this is the greatest album. First time I heard that I was a bit like, eh, well, like why does everybody think this is so amazing? But ten years later, fifteen years later, like now if i put it on now i'm like totally blown away by it so i think it is maybe that the part, thing. maybe the part of us doesn't want to be told something it's good though maybe it's maybe it's yeah, yeah like that. maybe maybe somebody else is telling you oh you've got to love this and but i think like, well, it's also like you love the beatles well forget the beatles this is this is better like well no I, I, it's I don't. definitely not <laughs> well that's the thing that maybe is, is where it is you know it's like this is one of the greatest albums ever written or whatever yeah and i was told that that was the case and I just didn't feel that at all. Whereas, you know, I was always told, oh, the Beatles are the greatest band ever. And I listened to them, and they were. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that's it. That. There's, no way to go. there's no way to go from that, is there? Anyway, how do we get on that? Ricky Fatar. So, what I was going to yeah. say, that uh, Brian Wilson gig, there's a guy called Blondie Chaplin that was in the Beach Boys in the 70s. Um, and he, is I'm going to say he's like 10, 15 years younger than, than the other people on stage. So he was like this kind of like proper Ramon style kind of guitarist uh, in like, look, with like the Beach Boys doing pet yeah. sounds. So actually everybody went off stage and he did two of his Beach Boy songs from the mid 70s. It was like, Oh, I haven't come to watch this guy play fucking solo. Are you saying teeth? Hawaiian shirts and leathers don't mix? You, they don't you mix, say? Brett. You try it. I'm not coming to see this. I've come here to see Brian Wilson struggle. Yeah. I've come to watch him like have a little like a, a, a cry. <laughs> That's what I was up for. <laughs> I've come to watch the decline, the mental decline. <laughs> well, anyway. That's what you get with these acts sometimes, I suppose. Sadist. You should have been in the leather, shouldn't you, you bloody sadist? Yeah, I should have been. I <laughs> <laughs> was it a Velvet Underground tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. People in this film. <laughs> mm. Ricky Fato, we've crossed him off. He was in the Beach Boys. But who else? We were talking about... Uh, Bill Murray. You, you were thinking about where people are in their career. So Bill Murray yeah. would have been... Probably in one movie by this point or something. He was well, he, he looked young as well, didn't he? He's yeah. good though because he plays Murray the yeah. K, or so also he's called Bill Brilliant. Murray. So they've like well done for nailing that. Um, but he plays Murray the K, who when the Beatles first went to America, he was the the disc jockey that was like hyping them up, and they were always on phone calls with him and stuff like that. So what I think is interesting about this is some of the bits that they interject 
or real is real footage. So Ed yeah. Sullivan introducing the Beatles, but they like dub the Ruttles over it. Then there's yeah. real figures from the Beatles past, like Murray the K, who they kind of fictionalize and over egg a little bit and insert this fake band into it. It's an interesting mix of things that I, I don't think I was expecting it to be like semi real and semi like fake. I don't know what you guys think. So Har- Harrison sorted all that footage. You no, know, all those like old footage. Okay. Harrison, okay. Harrison sorted all that out. So he went to a meeting with Innocent Idol again at one point. And he says, "Well, you can if you can make use of any of this. You have got to remember this is pre anthology. Years later, this stuff would be churned out onto anthology. But before then, in the seventies, I guess that sort of stuff wasn't really saved or or reused or rehashed for anything. So yeah. Harrison's like, yeah, if you want it." use that and they said that at that point that did change their direction a little bit with where they could okay. go with the writing and the sort of things they could do so that maybe had quite a big impact on on things like that like okay. In... okay did you like those bits brett where they like kind of merge the reality with this well yeah i mean that that was one of the things much similar to you what you said at the start of the podcast with it's very very similar to what actually happened but You've got to take yourself back to 1978. Did did people actually have the full story like we do with the anthology? That obviously hadn't because it hadn't been made at that point. I mean, the the things that they had would have been, you know, get back and stuff like that. That's it. Is that other film, Luke? What was that precursor? Is it like the Long and Winding Road or something? You'll probably know more about that. That was the kind of aborted version of the anthology that I think this that was probably being. Yeah made about the same time as this and then was, but you, you gotta you gotta remember this is an era as well in the 70 like late 70s a lot of people had had enough of the beatles mm. so there, there probably wasn't that massive um crowd or audience that thought i'm sick of this story because like you say that some of that story didn't come out until the until the 90s with the anthology so do you think uh, the may- audience then maybe like enjoyed a little bit of a piss take of the Beatles. I don't think it is a piss take. They, they probably didn't realise how much of how much it was, how close it was. How close. They probably thought it was loosely based on, whereas really it's quite tightly based on. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Because uh, Bianca Jagger's in it, isn't she? She plays... Um, Bianca, yeah. ...wife. And then you've got Mick Jagger's in it. Uh, well, Paul to be Collins honest, I was going to say, I think Mick Jagger is absolutely amazing in it. I think he's like one of the funniest yep. things. The thing about Mick Jagger is he's just talking about the Beatles, though, isn't he? He's not talking about the Ruttles. He's just, that's that's why he's so straight faced, isn't it? So he's just said, talking about the Beatles. And he said that in an interview. He said that the, it was like almost like a dream getting Jagger into it. Everyone else that played a part knew they were acting, and Jagger just played his own opinions on stuff. And he hesitates. <laughs> Every now and then you can hear it in his voice. He hesitates and wants to say the Beatles and then just yeah. change last second to the, the rules. <laughs> don't think, I'm not sure he fully got what was going off. Whereas everybody, <laughs> they know I acting. think he's brilliant. I think he's excellent in it. <laughs> There's a part in it where Jagger goes, uh, oh, they try to uh, write with a song. And you know, that it, is it was hilarious. Shit. It was shit. That, that's they're, hilarious. They're trying to give a song to any old slag. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes and they nipped off to the pub for 10 minutes, came back with this song 10 minutes later, and it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it's just so, and again, like you're watching Jagger now with a lot of hindsight about there's so many caricatures of Jagger and so many stories about Jagger. You've seen so many clips of him, like even like. Stella Street and you know the the Mick and Keith like corner shop and those impressions of him and stuff. I just think Jagger is always funny as himself, 
and this was probably done well before he was like mythologized like he is now. So I think that yeah. adds another element of it as well. Um, so him being it is good. Paul Simon, I don't think I understood a word Paul Simon said. <laughs> I didn't get anything that Paul no. Simon said. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he was on. He's he, off his tits, isn't he? Off his tits. Um, John Belushi's in it as well. So again, another Saturday Night Live um, kind of. He's star. Alan Klein, isn't he? He plays Alan Klein. That's quite funny. That's very much like yeah. a little sketch, isn't it? Like the bit that he's in. What do you think about that, Lucas? Mm. I, I, I like, I like all the, the, all those little cameos, like you say, and the, the, the yeah, the decline character. Again, yeah. it's like it's 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 not even they're not even trying, are they, to sort of mask what it is? It yeah. was like, that would have been, that was still rumbling on it in that time as well. It, right? it, it's topical, isn't it? Because all yeah. all that kind of stuff came out later. You know that, that what Alan Klein did with the Beatles and stuff like that. Yeah, those so disputes to like, show it like right that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To show it like that on the nose. Was, maybe it's that that was Harrison's input. You know, yeah, because Harrison was. Harrison sued him because he ended up being he bought the rights to uh, You're So Fine, right? So all that legal case that was going on with My Sweet Lord Mm -hmm. with Spectre or whoever wrote You're So Fine, He's So Fine, sorry um, ended up being Alan Klein because Alan Klein bought the publishing rights to that song and then continued he He couldn't lose then, could he? (laughs) <laughs> no. so he continued like... seeing it through so he was he was managing Harrison and acting his interests while simultaneously while owning the rights to the song that the legal case was going against I mean Harrison to be honest has been screwed over so many times by people no wonder he's like a grumpy fucker like he's always getting screwed over about money and he cares so much about money as well and he's always getting ripped off by people um, who else is in there? We've got uh, that he's it, a bit of a weird one, isn't he? Um, it, I quite the, like Barry Cryer. Thing. Barry Cryer, uh, the, thing, Barry the thing is, yeah, he's Barry in there, he's bold, isn't he? James. He plays he's the Dick bald. James character, so the yeah, yeah. right at the beginning, not yeah, G- he's really Dick good. Jaws, Cliff, Dick Jaws, Dick Jaws, but the Dick James character, he plays him at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, again on the nose of Dick James, like if you ever see any clips of him, he's exactly like he was, so I just think there's like loads of bits that in jokes even, like Harrison was probably feeding them these things, like uh, that, I think so, that got in. I must have it's, it's a lot cleverer, I think with a lot more hindsight, watching it now I think mm-hmm. it is talking, like, I still... talking, talking on the cameos did you, did you know there's a follow up? Did, I, read I, that. I read that. I read that. There's Can't Buy Me Lunch. It's a lot. It's a lot shorter. It's only about fifty minutes. But that's mm-hmm. got Tom, that's got Tom Hanks in it. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Robin Williams. Like the the names just keep coming. They, people obviously there was a, there was a cult following for it. But it's a like a young Jennifer Lopez. It was like <laughs> I think it was about early two thousands. Yeah, I'm you sort of surprised. But I think they 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 went off the back of the fact that. In the 90s, the Ruttles sort of made a bit of a resurgence. As the Beatles made a resurgence, yeah. there was more interest in the Ruttles again. The Ruttles went and recorded some new material. And that's why, they, I guess, the second film came about, which was, like I say, shorter. It's almost like a retrospective. This is what we did 
20 years ago let's go and see how these people are doing now and let's okay. see massive look in america aren't there there's a, a massive following in, in america for the roles isn't there love it is, don't they, is I didn't, I didn't they all these conventions and stuff like that that i've been watching on youtube have all been in america and the, the, there's people like i say asking innocent questions and stuff like that and saying look you're a genius to his face and that you're you're an absolute genius you know is there going to be more of this stuff yeah i think i I, uh i when he died i think i there was so much outpouring of like love and respect for him that made me think i should probably listen to some of this guy stuff i still never have until now um and i was listening to a podcast the thing that got me cliff sorry to cut you yeah is i know i'm you know this is the first time i've watched the roles Right, it's the first time I've watched this film. I've, n- I've never had any involvement with Innes at all, apart from this film. But I, re- I know his face, man. Well, if Do you know like what Python I mean? I've seen him like a thousand. Yeah, but he's not. He's not in Python. I mean, maybe he's, he was in 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 the background a couple of times, writing a couple of songs. And stuff. Tell, tell you what, what those, everybody. Tell you what you will know, though. Tell you what you will know. You'll you'll know one of his songs from the eighties. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Given given the sort of stuff you guys talk about, can you remember the Raggy Dolls? Yeah. Oh, he wrote the Raggy well, Dolls. Of course, he wrote the, the Raggy Dolls. And when you, and when you know that, and now you know that, listen to the Raggy Dolls after we finish Just today. Just like you. Like, yeah, of course he did. It's like you can hear it. <laughs> yeah, That's he amazing. Should be talking about the Raggy Dolls. That's an amazing. Should be talking about the Sad Sack. Sad Sack's in there, isn't he? Sad sack. He's the love Sad Sack. Right. Sorry for Sad Sack. Back to front was good though. Back the front, yeah. <laughs> anyway, by rambling now, um, I've got a bit of a quiz. It's a football quiz. It's not really relevant, is it? But uh, there you go. I spent five spent five pounds on this football trivia book, so we're going to use it. <laughs> um, Where did you get it from, Cliff? Never you mind. Look, you like football, so let's <laughs> talk about. We're going to talk about the players of the year, the Ballon d'Or. Do you want to know a little bit of history about the Ballon d'Or? Uh, hold on, hold on. Okay. I thought you were going to ask about, like, you know, Division One players of the year. I can do it. That's, that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, right. I'd never <laughs> been aware of the Ballando until probably 10 years ago or something. Well, you must have known there was people like that George Best. Uh, Kevin Keegan won it, didn't he, in the 80s? I didn't, huh? In the seventies, right, one, there's one, one of them. Okay, we'll avoid that. Yeah, but it was. That, uh, that I've got one of the answers out of them. No, <laughs> so this is the thing. So there's two things. There's the FIFA World Player of the Year, and there's the Ballon d'Or. The Ballon d'Or was a, a, a purely French thing, which is why it's a French name. Um, and that was what, from the fifties until the two thousands, was what people called the Player of the Year, World Player of the Year, was this Ballon d'Or, but. People weren't one guess there, so didn't what, call it. What, what does Ballon d'Or translate? I think yeah? it means the ball of the hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. I don't know Fair what enough. it means. It doesn't say that. Anyway, the first Ballon d'Or mm. was in 1956, and an English player won it, and then a legendary winger. Any idea? Sally Matthews. It was Sally Matthews. Matthews, yeah. He's the first winner of it. Um, right. 
that's it. Yeah, well done. What? Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> see you. See you, Luke. Bye. Okay. So, I, I mean, you very rarely get British people winning it now, right? But back then, and uh, it was good. So, in 1964, a Scottish striker won it. Who do you think that might be? Do you want to answer that, Luke? I think he's already given the answer. No, no, <laughs> no I haven't. haven't. What that? No, you haven't. 64. 64. 64. Scottish oh. striker, played for the most famous team in the world, as they call themselves. Which was who? And Jesse United called themselves that, don't they? Oh, Dennis Law. Dennis Law, it was. Two years later, uh, a semi-bald teammate won it. Who might that be? <laughs> Bobby Charlton? <laughs> yeah. Two years later, a lovely long-haired teammate won it. <laughs> Who might that George be? George Luke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, right, fast forward. 1978, back to another Englishman, but we've talked about who that is. A, a curly-haired young man. with A curly-haired young man? With boundless energy. With boundless <laughs> <laughs> Are these all British winners, are you? This guy is, that what is, you're yeah. going for? Keegan. It is Kevin Keegan. It wouldn't be until 2001 when there was another British winner of the Ballon d'Or. Who might that be? Another forward. Mike Alone. Absolutely mental that he ever won this award. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Did he win it for Pondrickby? Because he is the greatest. He won it for player. helicopter rides, I think. Um <laughs> Was that, like, that, was, that was with Madrid then, wasn't it? With Madrid, yeah. I mean, he scored like... But 20, he, did, he was injured most of the season, wasn't he? Then off the back of that, he went to Newcastle. Yeah. He was that impressive. He went to Newcastle. <laughs> but like, before him, it was Figo. And after him, it was the proper Ronaldo. And Michael Owen is sandwiched between those people. <laughs> That's absolutely mad. Um, how how once, did he win that? He scored. He, he did score something like a goal a game in that season, but I think it was hard. Season, yeah, I but he only played four games. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I don't think he played loads by normal standards, but I, yeah, he did have a decent season, didn't he? Is that he, when they had Woodgate at the same time, Real Madrid uh, and Gravison? In... In... <laughs> <laughs> that picture of Gravison where he gets his testicle out and on uh, his fellow player's face. Yeah, that's I mean, imp impressive. Pitches. Is that what you're going to say? Impressive. It is impressive, isn't it? <laughs> uh, basically, from the two thousand, like two thousand and tens, two thousand and since two thousand and eight, hardly anybody other than Ronaldo and Messi has won it, no. as I think we know. Um, I'll but... tell you what, Luke. Luke. Yeah. Pick a random year. Uh huh. And see if you can get the answer. All right. Okay. Pick a year between nineteen fifty-six so, you... and now. Yeah. Go oh, on. so I, I'd go, I'd go. So I've got to try and get the answer for my own year. Yes. You pick the year and I'll give a little description. 70, 74. I'm pretty. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> that's, got to be, that's, got, that's got to be Cruyff, hasn't it? It has got to be Cruyff, yeah. And the yeah. year before. Swine. Was it? <laughs> go on then, Brett. You pick a year. You pick a year. I'll go. I hope you pick 77. No, I'm not going to pick 77. <laughs> Please, I'm going to pick 77. I'm going to pick 1987. Oh. Diego Maradona. Wrong. What? It's Europe. It's Europe. 
He played for Napoli. He did, didn't he? He's not. Diego Maradona never wins this award. Eh? It must have changed. The didn't, he win the, didn't he win the league single-handedly for Napoli at that time? Uh, well, e- Igor Belenov won that in 86. It was 86 That's what I was going to say that, but I was waiting Sure, for... Blue. Sure, Blue. <laughs> no, 87 is... 86 was, I think, when Napoli won the league, wasn't it? Um, I, th- it, I think it was uh, maybe Z six eight seven, wasn't it? Something well, like that, and that's why I said it. Okay, well, eighty seven. I would imagine AC Milan won the league because it's Ruth Hullet and eighty eight Van Basten and eighty nine Van Basten. So I think AC Milan <laughs> were in their ascendancy. Then pick another year. Look, uh, Brett, like because that one was a washout. It was a washout. Um, well, I'm going to go for an obvious one. Okay. No, it's only Europe, though, isn't it? It's it's not. It's the it's the world player of the year, but they all seem to be based in Europe because I guess they're the best leagues. Well, why did you say it's only Europe before? Just French. At first, or right, nineteen seventy one Pelly. Oh, it's your it's Johan Cruyff again. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did Cruyff win it in the seventies? Cruyff won it in seventy one, seventy three, and seventy four. Did Pelly win it in seventy? Pelé's never won it. So here's the rule. Oh, like, well, this is a load of bollocks, Brett, isn't it? You didn't let us do the introduction, which would have explained all of it. I didn't let you do the introduction. <laughs> I said, you mean okay, if we're you going to do the introduction? I tried very hard to introduce this. No, you, you did, to, don't you we? Just we went, were very quiet. You just went, Pelé. Before <laughs> I can say. <laughs> anyway. It's Pushkas it, won it at any point, Cliff. Uh... He was before, I think, uh, Alfredo Di Stefano won it twice in the early days. Um, in the early and, you know, days. They're, they're like for like, aren't they? Somebody called Luis Suarez won it in 1960, so he's older than yeah. I thought he was. Uh, he is. 1977, by the way, I've got no idea who he is, but Alan Simonson won it. Who the oh, fuck is he? Simonson. Is he? Simonson, <laughs> he was... I might be wrong. He was he, he might have played for Tottenham, but he went out. He went and played abroad in. Uh, he went and played in La Liga. He went and played for Barcelona. Oh, okay, I've never heard of him, but he was, we do know he was good, he was. Steve Simmons. Surely, um, my dad. Ronaldinho. My dad about him. Ronaldinho, oh, yeah. two thousand and four. Okay, we we'll keep going. I was try- I'm trying to wrap this segment up, to be honest. But we'll Dan, ninety eight. <laughs> I've lost. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, Ronaldinho. 2005. You said oh. Zidane? Zidane, Zidane 98. 98. Correct. So I think Luke's the winner. Right. <laughs> Jean-Pierre Papa. Fucking oh, I put it down again, man. <laughs> Adibé Pelé, 1992. Adibé Pelé? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say Papan. Papan. No Papan way would have won it. No way. Oh, yeah, 1991 Papan. Followed by Van Basten again. Van Basten's won it three times. Platini won it three years in a row. All the big oh, guys are in there. Platini. Um, Stoichoff won it 94, Brett. That's good. Nice one. I'm happy about that. Who won it in 90? Because that was when obviously Germany won the World Cup, but they yeah. weren't fashionable. Was it was that was Thomas it? Volk, or, or was it Matthias? <laughs> Matthias. Uh, Matthias, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Matthias Sammer won it in 1996. 
<laughs> well, that Dortmund won like the it. Champions League, didn't they? Yeah, and I guess oh, they yeah, won the I Euros. Think. Paul Lambert in the middle of midfield. But did he not get sent yeah, home Paul from Lambert. the Euros? Sama. One of them did. did they? Ginger here. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Sama I'm sure he got sent up. Did he? Not There's another ginger thing. guy that got sent up. <laughs> I, promise, I promise you. This is going away. Look, we're going to finish the uh, episode with one of your songs. Do you want to tell us about it? Uh, yeah, this is um, I, I, I'm, I Should Not Love You. It was a B-side that we released quite a while back, but it was my attempt at basically writing a Ruttles-ish song. So it's, I guess it's our, our version of us doing the Ruttles, doing the Beatles, and it's called <laughs> I, should not, I Should Not Love You. Amazing. Uh, it's very good. Nice it is one. too, right? Luke, thank you so much. Brett, thank you. Travelers, um, thank you. I think I've ended up realising I like the rules more than I thought I did when I first watched it, but that's good. And, Just uh, before you finish, go, go, yeah. if, if, for people that haven't listened, go to the album that they recorded in the in the 90s, Archaeology, and that album... I'd, I'd argue that album is a lot more standalone from away from the Beatles. It's less parody. It's just good. It's just good songwriting. It still sounds like it could be the Beatles, but there's not as many obvious like, oh, that's from that, or that's from that. It's a, it's that's a good, it's a good album, good to listen to. And that's called okay. Archaeology. That sounds good. All right, we'll dig that out. Right, cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next time with something else. Cheers, Luke. Nice to see you again, mate. Thanks for the song. You. See you later. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.